When planning for retirement, it seems like everybody has advice for you. From coworkers to distant family members. We're only trying to help, they say, but are they? On today's show, we'll highlight several bogus pieces of advice that you should avoid. Welcome in to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Steve is a best-selling author. He wrote the book called Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He is a fiduciary. He's independent. He's been helping folks for more than 20 years. Uh, he is a, uh, well, he's a lawyer, but he's not practicing, which is which is a great story. And uh, hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, Steve. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. You are a lawyer, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're yeah, studied, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I passed the California bar exam. I just don't practice. Yeah. Uh, I'm a non-practicing member of the California bar exam, uh, right. California bar association. And so, uh, you know, what area of law were you, were you focused on? Well, so I've always been, I've been doing retirement distribution planning for, uh, the better part of 20 some odd years. Okay. And so the natural kind of segue to a retirement distribution plan is estate planning. And so, um, when I was, I was already doing this when I went to law school. And so I was thinking that the law degree uh, would be better for what I actually specialize in because I'm talking more, more often about, you know, estate planning than I am about, you know, trying for, you know, than a 20 year old trying to plan for their retirement or, or, you know, different types of loans or or things like that. So I wanted to get something more more focused towards my actual discipline. Okay, well, I like it, and um, and again, these are the kinds of things that that really separate you as an advisor. I mean, you know, one, you're fiduciary, you're independent, you've got this whole law background, and I know in working with with other lawyers, I mean, you guys you guys look at things differently. You're you're very thorough, uh, and I think that just comes from the school, right? It just comes from the practice. Yeah, and it's it's important too because sometimes we say, all right, this person's a fiduciary, right? Or that you know, and anyone can call themselves a fiduciary sure if you know if they if they they pass a you know a, an exam for a registered investment advisor they um they you know they technically can charge a fee and be a fiduciary but when you do when you pass a bar exam and you get admitted to a bar you have to do you know like california i had to do like a uh, a moral and character assessment which was like 26 pages long and looked at every aspect of my background and, sure. you know, and then obviously as a lawyer, you have a duty to disclose conflicts of interest. And a lot of times that's where I think the biggest difference between fiduciaries is because yes, you have to act as a fiduciary, you have to act in someone's best interest, right? But there mm-hmm. are different, there are different types of fiduciaries. And so a lot of fiduciaries are fee-based, meaning they're charging you a percentage of the assets under management. And so just to give an example, and we talk about government employees a lot on the show, right? Sure, but um, yep. if you're a federal government employee and you have the TSP, which is their retirement plan, it's their equivalent of a 401k, those plans have five different investment choices. So there's only five really different investment choices. There's, there, there are like prepackaged portfolios they call the L funds, but those are just a combination of the same five um, investments. Okay. So... Now, the good thing about those is that they're very low in expenses. They're about five one hundredths of a percent in expenses. Now, someone could be acting in your best interest and tell you to roll it over because you'll have more choices. But then if they roll it over and they're buying you index funds, um, but charging you 1% to buy those index funds, when you essentially had index funds in your plan, 
for five one hundredths of a plant a percent. Yes, they moving it into the IRA was in your best interest because it offered you more choice, but there's kind of a conflict of interest because they're telling you to roll it over simply because they want to get paid on the assets under management. And so um, that's that's the difference, you know, with someone who has that duty to disclose the conflicts and who really explains what the conflicts are and why, it, you know, if someone's giving you advice to roll over your money, they should be explained to you why it's in your interest. Right. And they should always be talking to you about what you're paying. You should always, the fees should always be transparent and you should always know what it is that you're paying. Absolutely. And if someone's getting a commission on a product, they should disclose it. Right. So, you know, if someone's doing a life insurance policy, be a fiduciary and do a life insurance policy or an annuity and get paid a commission, that's fine. But you should disclose that conflict and you should tell the person, not just in percentage, it should also tell them in dollars. And that's something that I do with all my clients. Sure. All right. Total transparency. I like that. Folks, if you want to get a head start, you can reach Steve by calling 800-705-9995. Sorry, Steve, I didn't mean to, to sidetrack you there, but I was just curious. Uh, and, and, uh, it's good no, it's, it's, it's a great it's, it's a great discussion because there is a, a lot of there's a lot of different advice out there. And, oh, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's important that, um, you know, you also look at the angle behind the advice. So I always kind of pick on Fisher Investments on the show because they advertise so much on the radio. But, you know, their ads say, oh, we make more money when you make more money. It's right. like, yeah, but you're charging the person one and a half percent. A lot of times you're moving them from something where they were paying a quarter of a percent. Right. Right. And, and a lot of their a lot of their portfolios don't even beat the index. So, um, you know, that's it. But again, that's you know, it, it's just the way that people market things. Well, of course. And, and I do think, too, that there is something to be said for, uh, you know, a, an organization like yours, Laura Wealth Management. You know, you're not this giant firm that has an office on every corner. I mean, you know, you've got multiple offices. But again, you're not out there trying to be the biggest uh, advisor on the planet. No, you've you've no. got clients that have been with you for years. That's your goal is to have a client and stay with, the, with you, you all the way through retirement. And then and then you get the, the next generation. No, that's exactly it. And, uh, you know, we try and give personalized service and, you know, and that, and that's why we try and keep the client base or the base of clients somewhere between 250 to 300. Sure. Um, you know, it, it grew a little bit above the 300 mark during the pandemic, just because I tried to take on a little bit more, uh, a few more people, um, because there was more people who were in need of advice, but oh, of course, uh, you know, I, I like to be able to sit down and meet with my clients at least once every three months. Okay. Well, and again, you get to know them, they get to know you, it all becomes kind of this big family. And I know that that's, that really is your goal because, and, and you never stop teaching because that's what you do. You're a great teacher. No, that's what I enjoy doing. And I, I want to make sure that when you, you buy an investment that you understand all the ins and outs of that investment Sure. and, uh, and why the investment makes sense. And so when I make a recommendation, it's all my recommendations are based on a plan. I don't just make a random recommendation or buy this or buy that. Um, if I'm going to make a recommendation, I'll explain why I made the recommendation that I made. Well, and and again, every recommendation is made in the context of a plan. In the context of a plan. And that means that, you know, again, you're, you're not out pushing products. You are offering a solution. And that, that plan is part of the solution to help get them to retirement. And that makes great sense. Right. And so, you know, one of those decisions is Social Security. Oh, of course. And so we, we talk about conflicts, right? And so that's why we started off with, 
kind of the discussion about conflicts because social security, there are a lot of people out there who are doing retirement distribution planning and then they're, they're giving advice on social security that's clearly conflicted. What do I mean by that? Well, if we look at your assets and you have money that's in the bank um, at 1% interest and you have more than enough to live on and you don't need to start social security and you're perfectly healthy, it's smarter to defer social security many times. But that's not the advice that a lot of advisors give. The reason being is because they don't want you to take money from their account because they're getting paid a percentage of the assets under management. So they would rather have you start Social Security early or are at full retirement and not defer it to 70 and get the 8% increases every year because they, they want the money to come out of Social Security and not out of their portfolio. And so someone who is looking at all the facts is going to show you numerically which one is the best choice for you. And that's something that we do for our clients is we'll show you, we'll do a Social Security analysis and we'll show you, all right, here's why you should wait to 70 or if it's a husband and wife, here's why your wife should wait to 70 and you should start now. And, and we'll, we'll explain the strategy and why it makes sense for your situation. Sure. And we offer 15 spots every week uh, to our listeners, and we'll do we'll put together a comprehensive retirement distribution plan absolutely free. 15 callers right now, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Women generally live longer than men, and their relationship with money has certainly evolved over the years, but it could be better. When we get back, we'll take a look at some differences between men and women when it comes to retirement planning. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. This is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. Uh, Steve is, uh, well, he's a best-selling author. Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He has expertise in Social Security. He has expertise in estate planning, uh, health insurance, all of that. You know, you, you, you're a one-stop shop, Steve. You, uh, you bring it all together, don't you? Well, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to that stage of your life. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you're within five years of your retirement, you should really be looking for someone who has the expertise in this next stage of your life because it's the planning concerns are much different than when you're you're working and saving for retirement. Sure. And uh, it, it's, it's actually, and this is something that a lot of people don't, they think, oh, well, I'm retired already. Why do I need to have a financial advisor? I'm not saving anymore. Um, you actually need a financial advisor much more in retirement and you need to have a much more active engagement because changes impact you a lot more because you don't have um, you don't have the ability to make the money back. Right. right? And, exactly. so, and so that's uh, that's that's important. So let's talk about this women and retirement and retirement planning. That is a that is a big topic. And, and you know, women, obviously, as you said, in the, at the beginning, women live longer than men. So at some point, uh, most women will be in charge of all of the finances. And, and again, there are some, uh, there are some discrepancies there between the sexes, isn't there? There is. And it's, it's interesting, because, you know, I've been doing this type of planning for a long time. So my original clients were depression era survivors, completely different mindset when it came to finances between, um, you know, the women then and the women now. Mm -hmm. um, I know the majority of women manage the everyday expenses in the household. 
actually about 85% of women manage the everyday expenses in their household. Okay, well, that makes so, sense. So, and uh, I just, you know, I'm a financial planner and my wife handles all, all, the, all the expenses in our household. So, um, but 23% take the lead when it comes to uh, long-term planning, meaning that when it comes to like making investments and allocating portfolios, it's still disproportionately the, uh, it's still disproportionately male. Sure. And so what we want to try and do is make sure, kind of remove that kind of gender bias and, and give women the confidence to understand investments and to take the lead on the, on that as well. Because truthfully, in my, you know, anecdotally, in my experience, women are much better savers than men. They're much more disciplined than men. So, yeah, um, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Apparently you, you've uh, met my wife, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's it, it it's just, you know, sometimes they uh no one has really taken the time to properly explain to them what the different investments do, and so they stick with what they know. And um, you know, that that's, you know, what we want to we strive to do and we want to make sure that if you're in a, you know, if you're in a marriage that both both spouses equally understand everything you own and know how to do so that when one spouse ultimately passes away, the other spouse isn't like, oh, my God, I've never handled, you know, any of these investments before. Right. Well, and again, that that goes back to your teaching process and, and what you like to do to just make sure people do understand what is going on. And, um, you know, when it says women tend to avoid risk and miss growth opportunities, like you said, women are more conservative when it comes to money, generally speaking, um, and they do miss opportunities. This is something where working with someone like you, Steve, you can you, you kind of go beyond that and you can help them so they don't miss these opportunities and, you know, explain to them why they need risk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and I actually love that they, they're more likely to have uh, an emergency fund, which is one thing that you sometimes have to uh, beat men over the head with. Is, right. Hey, look, you, you need to have something in cash. Um, you can't just go put all your money in crypto. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> no. that's, uh, you know, so it, it, it is good. Like I said, they're, they're much better in general um, at, at being rational, when it, I would say. Okay. Um, and again, again, I'm not basing that on any science. That's purely on anecdote and 25 well, years of practice. I was going to say, 20, 20, more than 20 years <laughs> yeah. of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but uh, they do they do tend to make much more rational decisions. And so um, it's not that I, I think it, they, it, it gets mischaracterized as that they're less willing to take risk. I think they're less willing to jump into something that they don't understand. And I think a lot of times, because our industry tends to still be unfortunately male dominated, that um, there are a lot of advisors that discount uh, women investors and don't take the time to educate them on the products. Um, and once once they understand what the different investments do, I, I, most women will make much more rational investments on their on on stocks and even on on more riskier assets. Sure. Well, one of the thing you know, uh, women you know they're they're the moms, they're the caregivers, they're the nurturers, and and they tend to they have a tendency to you know put other people before them. And when it comes to retirement, that's something that you know you've got to help them understand it. They've got to come first when it comes to retirement, and then you can help others. Right. And we use the airplane analogy all the time on this show, but. Yeah, you know, the, the, there's a reason they say that at the beginning of your 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 flight, to, you know, put your own mask on first before you help others, and so you want to make sure um, that you understand. The most important thing is to understand everything you own and what you own. Um, I, and I don't see this as often anymore, but you certainly um, a lot of times earlier in my career, 
when a, a spouse would pass away or if there would be a a divorce later in the marriage the a lot of times the the wife would have no idea what um the husband had invested in or where the money is and that's that's just a recipe for disaster in general. You should always know if it's a marriage, even if you guys keep separate accounts, you should know what the other person has. Um, it's, you know, it's important because if something happens to your spouse, you want to be able to, to know where everything is and you don't want to lose money or have it get turned over to, um, you know, to, to the state or something like that just because you didn't know where it was. Sure. Um, and uh, we see, like, like I said, I see that a lot, a lot less now than um, before. Again, with the Depression era survivors, a lot of times people would open up 20 different savings accounts. So if there was a bank, if there was a, a street with like eight banks, they would have a CD at all eight banks. <laughs> and they would, they would get physical shares of the, you know, physical stock certificates. Yeah. And they'd have them in a lockbox. Uh, so there's less of that now. Um, but it's still important. You want to take an active role in your finances and not just rely on your 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 spouse and so, and the same thing is true too. I mean, with, with men, I mean, if, if you, if your wife is handling all of the decisions, um, you still want to know where, where everything is. And, you know, you don't want to have a, a discrepancy in knowledge of what you have. Of course. I guess is the best way to, the best way to put it. Well, of course. Well, uh, folks, if, uh, you know, if this is something that's piqued your interest, if it's a discussion you'd like to have, now'd be a great time to give Steve a call and get on the calendar. Yeah, we have about eight spots left, and um, we we put together a plan. But that plan is going to start with if you're married, it's going to start with a discussion with the two of you and what you want your retirement to look like because you're going to be hopefully retiring together. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're you're doing things that you both want to do. Um, and you'd be surprised how many couples have never even really talked about it. And so um, you know, I, I was listening to sports radio the other day and they were talking about Tom Brady's retirement and they were saying, well, you know, a lot of times when these football players retire, that's all they've done for seven months a year is, is focus on football. And now they're home so much that they drive the spouses crazy and the kids crazy. Sure. So, um, you know, if you haven't thought it's the same thing in, you know, if you're, if one spouse is retiring before the other spouse, sometimes that can lead to stress and things like that. So you want to make sure you're on the same page when it comes to retirement. And it starts with having a discussion. And we have, like I said, about eight spots left. Sounds great, folks. Take advantage of it. It's a, it's a phone call away at 800-705-9995. You'll get the comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today, but you'll have a roadmap that can help get you to and through retirement. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. When we come back, we'll highlight several mistakes that some retirees make, and we'll tell you how to potentially avoid them. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Of course, uh, Steve is an independent. He is a fiduciary. Uh, he's been helping folks for about 25 years getting to retirement and then through retirement. Um, and, uh, you know, again, you have seen, you've probably seen all these mistakes, haven't you? I have. There, there's very little I haven't seen at this point. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you know, the, the best laid plans, I mean, there's always something that can happen. And I guess that's why we have to, that's why you choose to meet with 
your clients every three months just to make sure that that plan is still still going. And I'm guessing that people maybe who had a plan put together five or six years ago, and you look at today, that really needs to be updated just out because of inflation alone if you haven't taken that into account. Yeah, no, if they've been working with me, we've been taking inflation into account. I, I, in fact, up until this year, a lot of times my, my clients would say, well, that's not realistic when they, when they would look at the inflation number 20 years from down the road. And, and I would say, yes, it is, because this is what inflation has averaged since World War II. We're just in a period of low inflation. So it seems like it's outrageous, but there will be a, uh, a period of higher inflation. Well, welcome now, to it. <laughs> yeah, and now we're in that, that yes. period of higher inflation. So um, now, do I think it's going to last forever? No, I don't think we're going to stay at 7% inflation um, for very long. I think what's going to happen is uh, it will settle back down. We'll eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed that we don't have some new variant or, or whatnot, that will eventually get through the supply chain disruptions. And I think one of the things that is also going to moderate inflation uh, in the supply chain disruptions is I think companies are at this point realize that COVID is out there. And I think they're going to change the way they do business. What do I mean by that? Well, part of the reason we have these supply chain disruptions is because almost everyone does just in time, uh, you know, manufacturing, right? And so they're, they're not keeping a ton of inventory. And I think you're going to see a return to what businesses traditionally did, where which keep inventory so that when you have when you have supply chain disruptions you're not completely without product um so i mean this completely completely different uh situation but it just it speaks to the whole the whole point right right i went into a, a crispy cream <laughs> the, the other day mm. um right here in central florida uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call out the store but i mean the um they didn't have any glazed donuts. <laughs> so How can that be? <laughs> and it was nine in the morning. I said, it's nine in the morning. How do you not have any glazed donuts? You're Krispy Kreme. Yeah, you are glazed donuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's managing your inventory. And I think businesses will eventually start to do a better job of that. Um, and that will, I think, hopefully moderate inflation somewhat. But you need to be planning for it. Why do you need to be planning for it anyway as a retiree? Well, because you're going to experience higher inflation. And that, that seems counterintuitive, right? Because when you think about inflation, you're thinking, well, I, I'm not traveling. I'm not commuting. I'm, not, I'm staying at home a lot more. Um, why would I experience higher inflation? Well, healthcare inflates about two to three times faster than general inflation. And then you might say to yourself, well, I'm very healthy. I don't I hardly ever go to the doctor except for my physical once a year. And my, you know, my routine, my routine exams, like uh, colonoscopies and things like that. Sure. Well, your health insurance premium goes up every single year, right? It does. And so uh, let's just look at Medicare, for, for example, right? So if you're um, on Medicare Part B, you got, like, you got say, a five, five and change uh, adjustment, cost of living adjustment on your Social Security. Your Medicare Part B premium went up by 14%. So, you know, that... The inflation is is much higher because you're spending more um, typically on health and on um, and then also travel tends to right now it's not doing that but travel is tends to go up at a faster rate um, than than general inflation as well and you do, you tend to do a little bit more traveling 
um, when you when you get into retirement. Now, I think we'll actually. So I think you're you're going to see general inflation kind of moderate, but I think that travel inflation and travel cost is actually going to continue, and so that's why it's so important to craft a well-defined goal because we want to know what your retirement's going to look like. Because if you're planning to kind of the jet set lifestyle where you're flying all over the world and you're doing three or four large scale international trips a year, uh, if that's what your goal is, um, there's a good chance that those trips are going to get a lot more expensive. Number one, hotels already are starting to cost more money um, because they've had to, they've had to make, take all these safety precautions. Number two, the price of oil has been, has been going up uh, and is at a multi-year high. And that makes the cost of flights a lot more expensive, right? So, um, you know, so you, it really, your lifestyle can kind of determine the inflation rate. And that's why it's so important to craft the well-defined goal and to think about what you want your retirement to look like so you can properly assign a cost. It's also important once you've done that and you've put together a plan, remember that's just a projection. It's important to review that. And that's why we meet with our clients every three months, because we want to make sure that what we projected is accurate. And the only way to do that is to actually track what your actual spending is sure. and to see, are, are you running a shortfall? Are you running a surplus? Uh, are, you, are you ahead of where we thought your investments would be? Are you below where we thought your investments would be? Are you, are you burning through more cash than we projected? Are you burning through less cash than we projected? So these, these are all the types of questions that we ask and these are the types of things that we look at when we do a review. So, Steve, when someone has a plan with you and when you say you meet with them every three months, so even in retirement, do you meet with them and, and make changes? We, yeah, we do. Um, okay. But we, cha we change as the, the facts on the ground change, right? right. So um, typically, and so for some people, it's not, some people, uh, my style is not for everybody, right? So um, some people don't love that I'm not, I'm not, panicking or, or, or saying move out of the market on every gyration. That's, if that's your cup of tea, that's not what I do. So what I'm typically going to do is make allocation changes based on your goals. So we're going to be looking at your, um, your, your cash burn is what I call it, but basically your spending. And we have a projected spending when we run the, the plan initially. If you're spending less than that, then maybe we would we would shift a little bit more into growth areas of the uh, of the investments um, because you're not spending as much as we projected. If you're spending more than we we projected, that's when we would shift more to conservative. And we're going to try and pick spots to replenish your conservative or your 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 liquid kind of safe money um, when the market is up. So we're going to pull money from stocks when the market is up if your your cash has been depleted. If your cash is fine, we're going to continue to stay invested. Um, even and when when there's dips like what we experienced in January, we're not going to panic and say, "Hey, move to the sidelines and let's go back in." So um, it's a long term approach, and we make allocation decisions in those reviews typically um, based on your spending, and everything kind of relates to your spending because that's the most important driver of how you should be allocated in retirement. Of course. Well, and again, folks, if that's something that you'd like to, you know, begin the discussion, or maybe it's uh, like a second opinion, give Steve a call right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. We have about four spots left and we will sit down, we'll craft that well-defined goal, and we'll see if you have enough to live the kind of lifestyle you want to live when you factor in inflation and taxes. 
And uh, the most important thing that doing the plan does is it gives you peace of mind because you have the roadmap. And if even if you're not on track, at least you know how much you're off track. Right. And then you can make adjustments. Sure. So uh, give us a call. We have four spots left. 800-705-9995. That's the number, folks. 800-705-9995. It's a great opportunity. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Take advantage of this uh, this offer today. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. When we come back, it's time once again for questions from you and answers from me. That and more right after this. The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls and uh, having a great conversation today. Boy, Steve, we've covered a lot of ground. We talked about inflation. We talked a bit about Social Security. We talked about women and bringing them up to speed when it comes to retirement, retirement planning. And now we're going to hear from listeners. How about that? Absolutely. All right. So let's see. Uh, let's check in with Marge, uh, or she has checked in with us. Uh, Marge is asking, do you pay a higher amount in taxes on a post-tax Roth IRA or a pre-tax 401k? My understanding is that with a 401k, you'd need to pay taxes on a much higher total given the compounding interest over time versus the much smaller amount in a Roth IRA. That is great. Great question, Marge. And it's one where there is so much conflicting advice. Uh, and so, and especially this time of the year when people are with their accountants, because accountants tend to look at the tax situation and they say they look at it more in the instant gratification, right? And they'll say, all right, you're. You're 60 years old. Let's just say you're 60. I, okay. You didn't say your age in, in, in the question marks. So, um, you know, put money, put away the full 27,000 for 2022 into your pre-tax 401k because they're thinking, all right, well, this lowers your tax income, your taxable income. Uh, and it's true. It does. And the, the hope is, is that when you get to retirement, you're in a lower percentage tax bracket. Now, you, you have to really make these decisions in the context of a plan and understand when the money is actually going to get spent. So you might be 60, but you may have no need to touch this retirement account for another 12 years, meaning you don't need the money to live on. And you, the first time you're going to take it out is at 72 for minimum distributions. Okay. So if that's the case... And let's just say you've built up a seven-figure balance. So let's just say, Marja, and you didn't give me a balance, but let's say you have a million two pre-tax. Now, that million two and the 27 that you're contributing over the next 12 years could potentially, even at a 6% rate of return, would potentially double. So now, yes, you saved a dollar in taxes, and maybe you are in a lower tax bracket once you retire, but you're paying taxes on two dollars as opposed to as opposed to if it was in the Roth. Yes, you you didn't you, you didn't get the tax deduction now, but that twenty seven thousand when it grows to fifty four thousand, all fifty four thousand is tax free. Whereas you saved a dollar, you saved on the first twenty seven, but now you're paying taxes on fifty four. Okay. So um, where it doesn't make sense to do the Roth 
is where you're going to be pulling it out in three or four or five years even. Um, then you don't really have as much time for the assets to grow and you'd be better served doing the pre-tax. So it really depends on the overall situation, but that's a great question, March. All right, great. Yeah, and again, every situation is different. 800-705-9995, Marge, if you'd like to learn a little bit more. Uh, Carl has a question. Uh, he says, I'm 50 years old, and I have 13 years vested at a public agency that offers a PERS, is that how I say that? PERS? PERS. PERS. A PERS pension plan. That's a public employee's retirement system with 2.7% at age 55. Now, I've been offered a job at another agency for a $15,000 increase in salary, but only a PERS retirement plan with 2% at age 60, which makes more financial sense given the pension and salary options, staying in my current job or switching to the new job. Boy, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's Carl. That's a great. That's a good question. It's one that we would probably tackle in an individual appointment, because you want to look at all of the numbers. We want to look at. Um, we have to factor in inflation. We'd have to know what the cost of living adjustments are on the on the two pension plans. So there's a couple of different factors in there. Are there different survivor options? I don't. You know, I don't know if you didn't mention if you're married or not. So it's not just the. It's not just about the raw dollars. Um, I, you know, on the surface, it always seems, again, to look like the, you know, we always kind of think of stuff in the terms of instant gratification. It's easy to say, oh, $15,000 increase in salary, right? But um, you want to really, you want to really run the numbers and make sure that that's, that's in your interest to do. And that's something that I think um, would warrant, in, you know, a more detailed appointment and, and certainly to look at the, the more, both offers in, in, in greater detail. Well, yeah, because there are so many options in this case as well. And, and you know, that's, I mean, you're dealing with pensions. I mean, TSPs are essentially a pension, right? Well, TSPs are like the equivalent of a 401k. A 401k, right. Yeah, but the FERS is the Federal Employee Retirement System. Um, most people are under that. And then some are under the Civil Servant Retirement System. So, um, and then Florida has obviously a, a, a variety of different um plans, whether it be the the drop plan or, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of different um, plans within Florida as well for Florida employees. So sure. um, it's important that you look at all of the details because you, you don't want to just take one aspect of one number. So, you, you know, 2.7% at 55 versus 2% at 60. Yes, that's an important piece. But also you have to look at the survivor options and the other aspects of the plan and how that plan is calculated, right? So is it based on your, your best three salaries? You, are you going to be, what, what type of raises can you expect in that job with the $15,000 extra salary? Because if you're, you're, if you're calculating the, the pension off of a larger number, that also, that also skews the numbers with, you know, somewhat as well. So it, it's a great question, but one that requires a lot more detail. Okay, fair enough. And eight hundred seven zero five nine 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 five. Let's see. Uh, we got one more uh, that I will get to here. Jen uh, is asking. She says, "Can you take the income from a qualified annuity and transfer it to another qualified annuity? We've taken the free withdrawal amount from a qualified annuity to another, but not the income." So, I'm trying to understand the question here, Jen. So. You're, you can absolutely transfer from a qualified annuity to another qualified annuity. When you say you've taken the free withdrawal and, and then not the income, I'm assuming you mean you have like a lifetime income feature on the annuity. Um, 
so uh, we, we you, the general answer is yes. You could you can transfer from one qualified annuity to another, but if you've taken the money in your in your pocket or put it in your bank account and it didn't go directly from one annuity to the other, then no, you cannot. And you'd okay. be taxed on it. All right. So uh, a little bit complicated of a question there. So I, I um, I'm not sure I've a hundred percent followed what the, what, what you were asking, but hopefully, hopefully that was what you were asking. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I think that's great. And, and uh, on that note, why don't we uh, put a wrap on the show for today? Just Steve and invite folks to call one last time. Yeah, so we have three spots left, and uh, please call. We love hearing from our listeners, and uh, we will put together a comprehensive retirement distribution plan for you, and we'll do that absolutely free. So, again, please call, and uh, please check out the website, www.laurelws.com, and uh, we will be back here next week, same time. Information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Caruso offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with the SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. Coach P. Radio.